Hi, I'm Christine Roney. Welcome to the Roney Writes Podcast. The tagline for this podcast is, let me tell you a story, because that's what these recordings are about, stories. I love to write them, and I would love to share them with you. This is Episode 9 of One Perfect Line, an L.A. Bay Mystery. We are continuing today with Chapter 14. So let me tell you a story. One Perfect Line by Christine Rooney. Allie was getting the loft ready for open mic night when she heard Quinn call her name. She went to the top of the stairs. I'm up here, she yelled. I'll grab some coffee and come up, Quinn yelled back as she walked toward the coffee cart. She poured herself a cup of coffee, opened the small refrigerator, grabbed the half and half, and walked toward the stairs just as the front door opened and a group of teenagers burst in. Do you have Sam Recon's new book? One of the older boys asked. I don't work here, but you'll most likely find it with the new releases, she said, pointing to a table near the front of the store. Thanks, a young woman said as they headed toward the table. Quinn went upstairs, where she found Ellie sitting in the back going over that night's sign-up list. I miss seeing Michael's name, she said as Quinn sat down. Where is he? He's doing a show in Milwaukee tonight. He'll be back before you know it. Actually, he said he might fly back next weekend. I hope he does. Recon's book seems to be popular. There's a group of high schoolers downstairs looking for it. I've had a hard time keeping it in stock. I have to confess, though, I haven't read it. I think I'll buy a copy. I could use a good read. Quinn was quiet for a moment. She took a drink of coffee, then set it down and looked at Ellie. Ollie's wife got really upset when I asked her where her son was at the time of Alice's murder. Ellie cocked her head. Do you think he's involved? Not really, but I like to place all the players on a map and see where everyone was at the time of the murder. It's a thing I do. Why do you think she got upset? Quinn shook her head. Natural protectiveness, maybe? I'm not sure. Ellie heard a noise downstairs. Just a minute, she said as she walked over to the top of the stairs and looked down. A young man stood near the bottom of the stairs. She listened for a moment, but didn't hear anything unusual. Let me know when you're ready to check out, she called down. The young man looked up at her and nodded. Ellie went back to the table. How long is she staying in town? She asked. I don't know. She's renting a vacation home out by the beach. I'm not sure why she's here. Well, they are still married. Maybe Ollie wants her close. Maybe. Quinn took a drink of coffee. I have some good news. The attorney for Ollie's cell phone company called and he's having the cell site location report delivered to me tomorrow, along with Ollie's phone records. They both turned as Sam stepped onto the loft and walked toward them. Ellie turned back to Quinn. Great, now we'll be able to see where Ollie was between one and three. The records will show that? Sam asked as she sat down. The cell site log should. Every time a cell phone taps into a wireless network, 
The carrier logs a time-stamped record of the cell site, Quinn explained. The carriers have the capacity to pinpoint a phone's location within 50 meters. Wow. If the records back up Ollie's story, I'll try to get the judge to dismiss the charges against him at the preliminary hearing. So my carrier knows where I am right now? Sam asked. Afraid so. Even if I have location turned off? They can still see what cell towers your phone pings. If your phone is on, you're being tracked. Allie smiled at Sam's look of disbelief and horror. Sam stared down at the table for a moment, then looked up. So couldn't every suspect that claims they weren't at the crime scene use that technology to get off? I'm sure that has become one of the defense's tools, Ellie said. Quinn stood up. I have to go. I'll call you tomorrow after I get the reports. Ellie turned the open sign to closed and headed home. It had been a good day at the store. Even though a bookstore was her dream, she knew that opening one was risky. It had been a slow start, and at times she felt she had made a mistake leaving Hadley and Downs. She smiled, remembering when she came up with the idea to rent table space. Unconventional? Maybe, but worth a try, she had thought. And renting space to a few hand-picked tenants had helped. But what really turned things around was the way the community embraced her. Ellie was pretty sure it was the loft that did it. People enjoyed the open mic nights, and the local musicians and other creatives liked to hang out there. As she drove home, she reminded herself that she needed to book next month's author. She had recently read a science fiction novel and thought the author a good choice for a reading. She'd call the publisher in the morning. She opened the front door to her house and instantly felt something was wrong. She stopped and listened. Not hearing anything, she slowly walked around the house, turning on lights as she went. Everything seemed okay. She chided herself. It wasn't like her to get spooked. She thought again about getting a dog. If she could find a dog like Jake, she would do it, she thought. She walked to the back room, and a chill shot up her spine. One of the panes of glass on the back door was broken, and the door was unlocked. Ellie's heart raced as she stood looking at the door. Then quick as a rabbit, she ran and threw the deadbolt. She backed a few feet away from the door. Someone had broken into her house. But why? She hadn't seen anything when she walked through. She needed to do something about the window. She needed to check the house again. She needed to call someone. Her mind was whirling. She forced herself to breathe. She walked to the door again and flipped the switch for the backyard light. She looked out. Whoever had been there was gone. She turned the light off and walked to the kitchen, the only room she now realized that she hadn't checked. Nothing seemed to be amiss. She took her phone out of her pocket and tapped Michael's number. Her call went to voicemail. Of course, she thought, looking at the time, he's probably on stage. She left him a message to call her. She caught herself staring at the refrigerator. 
It was a moment before she became fully aware that there was a piece of paper on the refrigerator held by a magnet that was not there before. Allie had a habit of putting notes to herself on the door. And she had a thing for magnets. But this wasn't one of her notes. She got closer and felt the icy cold rush of adrenaline as she read. Leave him alone. He's mine. She stared at the paper. At those words. Her phone rang. She jumped. It rang again. She took a deep breath trying to calm herself. Her heart was thumping. She looked at her phone. It was Michael. She let it go to voicemail. She needed to be calm when she talked to him. Right now, she was sure that she would sound as hysterical as she felt. She stood there another moment, and then took off. She raced around the house, looking under the bed and in closets. She pulled back the shower curtain. She looked behind the doors. No one was there. She made herself a cup of tea. Then she picked up the phone and called Michael. That is the end of Episode 9. Come back next week for Episode 10. If you're enjoying this story, please help me spread the word. Tell your family and friends about the podcast and be sure to let them know that they can listen for free. You can also subscribe for free and by doing that, you'll automatically receive the latest episodes downloaded to your computer, phone, or tablet. Go to my website, ronywrites.com, for more information on how and where to subscribe. Goodbye for now, until the story goes on.